Now, I want you to go with me to Psalm 100. We're going to, if I can do this, we're going to do a little Psalms sword drill today. So we'll be all over the book of Psalms uh, in a little bit. But let me give you a little bit of background. So, by the way, the Psalm that we're going to study today, and, and I chose this and chose this series because I think it really sets up well for the, the Thanksgiving holiday, among other things. Do you know that at least 240 different hymns and songs have been composed using this just very few verses as a backdrop? Um, we've got, what, five verses? Over 240 different hymns and songs were written with this in mind. I'm going I'm to give you kind of some background later, some historical background on, on uh, one of those for sure. Now... Um, we think that the book of Psalms is actually a collection of books. Um, if you look at, in fact, go there now. Look at, look at Psalm 1, okay? Look at Psalm 1. If you look there, probably in most of our Bibles, it's going to say book 1. You see that? There's a superscription over it that says book 1. If you go to, um, if you go to uh, Psalm 42, you're going to see book 2. If you go to Psalm 73, you'll see book 3. If you go to Psalm uh, 90, you'll see book 4. And if you go to Psalm 107, you'll see book 5. So we're going to be kind of right in the middle of book 4 in the psalm. So it's kind of five different collections that came together to form our 150 different poems here. Um, uh, Kind of these five books come together as one. Now... Um, the emphasis, it's interesting, you, each of these kind of divisions of books have a different uh, kind of an emphasis. But um, if some of the earlier ones talk about the reign of David, some of the, the later ones talk about the fail of the reign of David's people, if all of that is true, then by the time we get to the fourth book, it's going to say something to us like, if human kings may disappoint us, but God is the ultimate king, and he reigns forever. It's going to talk about the fact that God reigns. Yes. We'll see that in Psalm 100 today, okay? So um, um, uh, we're going to look at this uh, kind of from God's viewpoint. Now, this particular psalm probably, and I did a little research on this, couldn't find anything conclusive, but I'm going to guess it is not written by David because if it were, it would say it was, okay? Probably it would say it was or a later thing would say it was. Because of what it talks about, it has a bit of a mosaic flavor to it, okay? So if you read Psalm 90, it's going to definitely tell you that Psalm 90 is written by Moses. We think maybe Psalm 100 was written by him as well. So we'll kind of get some, uh, some structure and some conspicuous things that, that tell us about this. Um, he's going to give us a pattern here. There is a pattern in the book of Psalms uh, that's fairly consistent. It will, most of the Psalms will give us a, summon to pray, a summons to praise God. And then uh, following that, 
will be reasons for that praise. We'll see that today, but we'll see that recur in these five verses today. We'll see um, him varying the pattern a little bit by using two invitations to praise in verse 2, 1 and 2, and verse 4, and each of those are going to be followed by a motivation for that praise. Now, I think that's interesting. Conspicuous and different about this psalm is there are seven commands in it. We're going to study those a little bit. In five verses, seven commands, and uh, we're going to specifically zero in on the middle one, which is the central one, uh, the, um, the central command really for us uh, in verse four. So uh, anyway, um, uh, I, I, I love studying these things. Um, psalm 100 is the only psalm of the 150 with a superscription that reads, a psalm for giving grateful praise. What does it say in your Bible? Mine says, a psalm for thanksgiving. Sounds kind of appropriate for this week. How about, what do you think? Okay. A psalm for giving thanks. A psalm for thanksgiving. A psalm for grateful praise. Sounds like it's a good week to study this psalm. What do you think? Okay, so when I was trying to put this little mini-series together, I wanted to start with this one. Now, let's read the psalm. Steve Blair, you mind to read the five verses of this little song? And by the way, you need to sing it, if you will, please. If I sing it, there won't be anybody left in here when I get done. They'll all be running towards the altar. Oh, you think they'll all be going to the... Yeah, there we go. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the God, the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Sounds like we got a great opportunity this week, doesn't it? And I, I've, I've just been kind of impressed this year to say and to think and to do that Thanksgiving isn't just a Thursday in November in the U.S. It's something I ought to be doing every day, Thanksgiving and praise. Now, as, as so the idea here, it's a call to us to sing... Uh, to give unhindered praise. That's what goes in your blank. And to do so with joy. Now, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And one of the things I'm going to encourage you to do this week as you gather with family and friends is to make your Thanksgiving joyful. Okay? Now, for some families, that's easier than others. Okay? But that's kind of the idea. All right? Now, I want you to, let's do a little sword drill here. I want you to see how consistent this is. So turn back to 66, okay? And I want you to hear the consistency. I'm just going to read one after the other. 66.1 says, shout joyfully to God, all the earth. All right? Look at 68, uh, I'm sorry, 81.1. By the way, um, if you're, if, if you're called on to do the devotion before Thanksgiving Day prayer, you could just read all these verses. It would just be really good. 81.1, shout for joy to God, our strength. Shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. You see that? 95, I'm going to go to verse 1 and 2 in 95. All right? 
Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Uh, 98.4 should be just on the page back from where we were. Uh, I'm going to read 98.4 and read down through 6. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of the melody. Uh, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, shout joyfully before the king, the Lord. And then I'm going to go back. Well, um, jo- Brother John, uh, can I get you to read 22, uh, 27 in just a minute? Okay, we'll go there in just a second. All right, now, the question is, uh, over and over and over again, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, we're called to give thanks and praise to God joyfully, not just on the third Thursday in November or whatever it is, okay? Now, uh, by the way, here's a good thought for you. For most of us, at least, the government says, take a day off and watch football. Now, it didn't say that, although I'll do some of that. (laughs) For most of us, the government says, and kind of gives us permission and funds it by billions of dollars, take a day off to thank God. This could be, this Thursday could be the most holy holiday in the U.S., really, okay? Uh, The others, yeah, sometimes, you know. But this one, you are are kind of encouraged to, um, permitted to, uh, we're going to give you time off to praise and thank God. I think that's kind of significant. What do you think? Now, so the idea here is, um, um, here probably, um, uh, the idea is that we are to praise and thank God, and it includes everybody. John, read twenty-two twenty-seven. would you please? All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. Isn't it interesting that if this was written in 1500 B.C. by Moses or somebody in that period of time, isn't it interesting that we think of that being a a holy and separate society? And yet even for them, the idea was that one of these days, all nations will praise God. All nations will thank him and give him praise. I I think that's really kind of important. By whom? Everybody. Okay, so verse 2. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate verse 2. Serve the Lord. So we said shout joyfully to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. So the idea here is um, that I might want to think about um, is, well, let, let's look another place. Let's go to 68.2. What did David say about this? And by the way, while we're turning there, would somebody go to 1 Chronicles 6, 16, sorry. Rhonda, can I get you to go there? 1 Chronicles 16, and I'm going to read, get you to read 7, 8, and 9, okay? 68, 3, this is from David, and he says, let the righteous be glad, let them exalt before the Lord, yes, let them rejoice with gladness. This idea not only that I'm to thank him and praise him, 
That's what, kind of what the word exalt means, lift him up. <coughs> but I'm supposed to do so joyfully. Okay. Now, David gave all kinds of instructions on how to do this. In fact, he established the schools of singing. Um, uh, John Foster, he, he established guitar playing schools, 1000 BC. Okay? So you would have fit right in. Your whole, the whole Foster family would have fit right in. There would have been, there'd been a Foster delineation. Huh? Oh, yeah, okay. All right. Well, and, and I'm, I'm not going to go there because I love your mother. So, okay. All right. And, and I don't want to get in trouble. So, okay. All right. So, Rhonda, here's some, some instructions that David gives for specific families to praise and to help us to praise. Go. And on that day, David first appointed that Thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Give thanks to him. Sing praises to him. Tell people what he's done. All right? So that's what David said about it. We're kind of reading, in the middle of reading what we think at least, Moses or maybe one of his contemporaries said about what we're to do. So what are you going to do? Let me tell you what Joe Jones does. Bring me your phone, pal. Now, you know this guy's a poet. Uh, in fact, the last couple he's read, I thought, somebody needs to put that to a tune uh, because it really has meter and fits that way. And so this is, when did this one get written? Uh, last Saturday morning at 2 o'clock. Okay, so this is contemporary, all right? It's called it's Thanksgiving time. It's Thanksgiving time. It's Thanksgiving time. It's time to thank the Lord. Not just for a roasted bird, but for his holy word. We thank him for friends and family that have come to know his son. Yes, that we should thank him for all the, for he's the only one. Not the mashed potatoes or the casseroles or grandma's pecan pie. It's time to thank our heavenly Lord, the one who sits on high. It's Thanksgiving time. Thanksgiving time. It's what we need to do to thank our Lord for all we have in our lives that he's made new. Not for football games. Well, maybe a little. No, not for football games, on TV or our little afternoon snooze. We need to thank him every day, like his word tells us to do. Isn't that good? That's great advice. So, we saw, we've seen what Moses did. We've seen David say, not only am I going to do it, but I'm going to ask you. I'm going to command the people to do it. We've heard Joe Jones do it. So... Have you? Now, I've got to say something here for a second, okay? Ron and I were reading an article over the weekend. Notice that the verb, uh, there, there are seven commands here. The third command is what? Come. Okay. Uh, by the way, I, I, I kind of got a, uh email from the, church this week saying, okay, we need to make a few more outlines for Steve's class because there's a few more people coming in it? and it's wonderful. This is, just looks really, really good today. But one of the things that the Bible says here is not only to thanks and praise, it says to come and thank and praise. Maybe you can look this up, but um, here's, here's who this came from. Um, it's an article I, I read a couple of weeks ago. 
the researchers were uh, are from Harvard Medical School. Uh, Tyler Vanderweel is uh, the professor of epidemiology at Harvard, uh, at the Chan School of Public Health, and the director of the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard. He's got an associate by the name of Brendan Case. He's the associate director for research of this human flourishing program. They're both, they both function at the PhD level, and they both do so at Harvard. These are no slouches. This is, this is Fauci on steroids, okay? Here's what they say. People find their social and personal lives improved, sometimes their lives even physically saved, when they go to church often. These are, not God, these are not preachers in pulpit. The decline in confidence in churches has been accomplished by, uh, accompanied by a steep recent declines of both church membership and attendance. In 2011, 43% of Americans said they went to church every week. By February of 2020, that had dropped 14 percentage points to 29%. A large share of Christians are opting to go it alone, moving their faith into quarters so private that even the church is not allowed in. Obviously, this trend drives down church attendance and membership. But less obvious until recently is that it's also harming the well-being of those who've stopped attending. It's not just bad news for churches. It also represents, now this is two Harvard medical researchers that says it represents a public health crisis that has largely been ignored. When you are here, you're doing something healthy. I had somebody in, that I encountered out in the public a few, few weeks ago. Hey, I haven't seen you in a couple of years. Are you doing okay? Yeah, I just can't come because people sing at church. <laughs> yeah, what's your point? You know? <laughs> okay? Be careful that you don't get fished in by... It being unhealthy to come to church, gang. I know we took some time off. We had to, you know. I get it. I, I'm trying my best to follow the science. But this is following the science for crying out loud. Ooh, I'm getting preachy. I got to move on. Okay. Now. All right. Yes, Laura. Um, I did. able to teach um, a short Bible study on Thanksgiving this week where I volunteer at, and I took it a total different turn, but in my studying, I went to first mention of the word Thanksgiving in the King James and then followed through, and I, it really was interesting. It is in Leviticus chapter 7. I went through the, the blue letter Bible thing, and yeah, I can't think of the word, the concordance that I used. Anyway, and so if you go there, and it talks about the regular different rituals and stuff, but there's a fellowship, peace, Thanksgiving offering that is voluntary, that is sacrificial. That and good? it has different rituals, just like the other festivals they did. You take it to the priest, they offer the Thanksgiving for you, but it's voluntary, and it's actually a sacrifice. Because I didn't quite get the concept of sacrificial Thanksgiving until this last week. Of course, you know, that's when I was supposed to learn it. But if you go, you think about it, you hear songs all the time in the book of Psalms, sacrifice of praise. 
it goes back to the book of Leviticus and all the laws and Levitical law. There really is a sacrifice, a voluntary fellowship of peace offering for thanksgiving to God. And it's not on a regular scheduled sacrificial times. And I thought that was amazing that even back then, you know, a man that was, you know, wanting to give praise to God still went to the priest and offered a bull and some bread and unleavened bread and all of that. It's really cool to learn all of that. You've set us up so well because I really want us to get into this idea of what does it mean bring a sacrifice in things in? We're going to talk about that in just a second. So thank you, Laura. And this is good research. What was it? Leviticus 7 and what? Leviticus chapter 7. Leviticus 7? It's the first mention of the word sacrifice of thanksgiving. Okay, look at this. There are seven commands in this five verses. The central one, so that would be number four if I'm doing my math right, okay, is know him. Get to know him. Catch it? Uh, it's in verse three. Know that the Lord himself is God, okay? Now, we're going to kind of unpack the rest of that in a second. But um, the central command of this is get to know him. To know what is what follows. So catch it. Okay, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. Interesting, huh? We are this people and the sheep of his pasture. Go, on, go back a few pages to 79, 13. David says a similar thing. <clears throat> so we, your people and the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. To all generations... Will tell of your praise. Interesting. Okay. All generations will tell of your praise. Now, so the idea here is, I think, um, that this getting to know him is a rationale for all of the other commands to praise and thank him. Know him, know what, know that we're his. That ought to cause us. Uh, as I think about, I didn't make myself. And by the way, anybody in here a self-made man or woman? We say that occasionally. Don't we? That's not what this is talking about. It's the literally idea that you were created by Him to praise Him, and He says He's your shepherd. You're the sheep of His pasture. So that ought to leave us feeling confident because it is Him, but humble at the same time. Is it possible to live with both of those things as guiding principles in my life? That I can live with confidence with my head held high, not because I made myself, but because he made me. Now, uh, so, uh, interestingly, this idea of he being, being our shepherd and us being the sheep of his pasture is a favorite theme of the Lord Jesus. John 10 is all about that where he talks about the good shepherd. He doesn't call himself the good CEO. He doesn't call himself the good engineer. He doesn't call himself even the good teacher, even though others called him that. He calls himself a good shepherd. I have a dear friend who's in the middle of his PhD work, and his PhD thesis is unpacking this idea that the shepherding metaphor in churches is still on the table. It's not forgotten. It never is going to go away because Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and he's yours. And therefore, 
I ought to thank and praise him. Kind of get that idea with confidence, but with humility. Now, let's go back to the scriptures. Uh, Brother John, can I get you to read verse 4 and 5 out loud to us again, and we'll go from there. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Okay, now, here we go, Laura. When I come to thank and praise him, according to verse 4, um, I ought to come, uh, it's kind of the implication here, enter his gates and his courts of praise, give thanks to him, bless his name. Um, the idea is when I come to praise him, when I enter, approaching God in worship requires bringing an appropriate offering or an appropriate sacrifice. So I'm going to suggest to you uh, a verse to maybe think about to meditate on, or even memorize this week. I want us all to go, if you would please, to Hebrews 13, 15. Okay? Hebrews 13, 15. It's not long. You could memorize it this week, I think. Okay? And by the way, if I can, anybody can. All right? Because um, I'm more and more feeble as the days go by. All right. So, so what do you bring to Thanksgiving. Anybody got that thing going on? I bet Janet Berger's got that thing going on. Are you bringing all the food or are you having some of the kids bring stuff? I usually bring all of it. I kind of thought you were that kind of girl. Okay. Uh, but typically, uh, we're going to go see Rhonda's dad. We're bringing some stuff and, and Rhonda's sister's bringing some stuff. Okay, that kind of thing, right? Okay. What do you bring to the house of worship in terms of praise and thanksgiving. Somebody read Hebrews 13, 15 out loud. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. My sacrifice that I bring, and I'm commanded to do it every time I walk in the door, and I'm certainly commanded to do it as I gather with my family to thank and praise him this week. Bring praise, a sacrifice of praise. Bring thanks. Bring thanks. Bring in that appropriate offering. Now, maybe let's start there next week. How did you do at bringing a sacrifice of praise this week? Maybe we can stop there. Uh, simply put, in verse four, 5 that, that, um, that John read, we ought to thank and praise God for his unsurpassing goodness. Why do we praise him? And here's the answer embedded in verse 5. Because God's good. Um, Brother Gene, if, if the living faith guys are here today and I said God is good, they would have a reaction to that, wouldn't they? All the time, all the time, God is good. Because it's so true. He's good all the time. And what I wish we could get those guys to add to it, he's only good. Only good. Now, so follow me. Let's do. I told you we're going to do sword drill today. Go to 34, okay? Psalm 34, verse 8. At least I'm not walking you all over the Bible, just all over Psalms, okay? 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When you take a bite of something this week and you say, oh, wow, that's good. David said, I tasted him, and he's really good. He's really good. 
Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Um, go to 135, verse 3. These are all over the place, but I just pulled a few of them. 135, verse 3. It's going to say the same thing. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to him, for it's lovely. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful sentiment? It's lovely. 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. 106, verse 1. I don't know why I put these out of order. 106, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. Okay, so I learned this a couple years ago. You ready? I'm going to teach it to you. You ready? Here's what happens when I go to the table in St. Joseph, Michigan. In Berrien County, when I go to the table, there's people all around, and usually the four-year-old will put his hands out, and he'll say, open them, shut them, open them, shut them, give a little clap. Open them, shut them, open them, shut them, put them in your lap. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. Now... The open and shut them thing is not found in the Bible, okay? <laughs> but it gets everybody's attention. By the clap, pretty well everybody's engaged. Do you know the earliest prayer that I can remember is that God is good? I'm glad the earliest prayer my little kids are going to remember is that God is good. <laughs> so if we're commanded to praise him, if we're commanded to thank him, it's overwhelmingly because of his goodness. He is good. So I just left with the thought. So what does all generations mean to you? Well, it means right on down to the four-year-old. To thank and praise him because, because God is good and to teach that, to instill that, and to do so with an enthusiastic joy with a contagious joy. Let me tell you about a uh, 1700s friend of mine. His name was Thomas Ken, and I never met him because, you know, 1700s after all. He was born in 1679. Uh, actually, he was born in 1637. He went to school in um, Oxford, was ordained in 1662. He was an orphan. He, he became orphaned at a really, really early uh, age. And one of the parts of this, his story that I love is that he was raised by his older sister and her husband, who was famous, Mike Stewart, as being the most famous angler of his day, Itzhak Walton. He wrote books on how to fish. I think that's cool, okay? That was the guy whose home Thomas Ken grew up in and uh, uh, with his older sister, kind of his caregiver. He was, in 1679, he was sent to Holland where he became the English chaplain at the Royal Court in The Hague, but he didn't like what he saw there. And he was so outspoken in denouncing the corruption of those in authority in Holland, that, uh, in the Dutch capital, that he was compelled to leave. They threw him out. He goes back to England. Don't you, wouldn't you love to see this guy today? And he was a little bitty guy, Thomas Kent. 
So he goes back. Charles II appoints him as one of his own chaplains. And um, he continues to have that same spirit of boldness. In fact, he would uh, preach in the chapel every day. And um, um, the king admired him for his courage. In fact, he'd call him the good little man. And when it was chapel time, the king would usually say, I've got to go here, Ken, tell me all my faults. But don't you love it? He preached against corruption, and even the king loved it. Well, the king appoints him as a bishop. And um, in 12 days after he was appointed bishop by um, King Charles II, his friend Charles II died. And he incurred the wrath of the next king. And um, he was imprisoned in the Tower of London. Um, He was released later and... uh, kind of lived out his life in obscurity. But when he was at the chapel in Winchester, he wrote a number of hymns. Now, what, what, um, what Thomas Ken believed is that you shouldn't have to only sing the Psalms, even though that was important. Uh, the, the church in England was singing only the Psalms. That's all you could sing. You couldn't sing um, a song that Joe wrote or that that John Foster wrote. You couldn't sing, uh, we're allowed to do that in church. You can only sing the Psalms or some other scriptural portion of, of, uh, and they they would put that kind of poetry, set it to meter, and you sang it. But Thomas Ken felt like there ought to be other words that you could sing that were still spiritual, that Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that Paul talks about. And so, He wrote a manual of prayers for the use of the scholars of Winchester College in 1673. And one of the additions of that manual, he included little hymns that the students were to sing every morning and every um, evening and at midnight. And um, he would often sing them himself, by himself, accompanied by John, his lute. You know the chorus that he wrote. And it was set to a French tune written by a guy by the name of Louis Bourgeois. I just like saying his name. (laughs) Who was John Calvin's kind of musician. And he wrote a hymn in common meter, a tune that we sing Thomas Ken's music to. The tune is called Old Hundredth because usually... Psalm 100 is put to this tune. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Would you join me this week kind of in in the context of little Thomas Ken, who originally wrote those words in English, so that his students could praise God. Uh, maybe you're not comfortable singing that around the table at, at your home. But maybe, maybe you'll read Hebrews 13, 15, or, or maybe you'll just read Psalm 100, or maybe you'll take some of these verses that I've, I've included for you today, the ones that say, give, thank, give him thanks for God is good, and let him know what he means to you. He is good, Gene, all the time. 
and he's only good. Therefore, I will give him thanks and praise every day of my life. Will you join me? Happy Thanksgiving, gang. It's good to be with you today. Have a great week.